You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. The serious side of the J. Rao Show is coming up next right here on the TJRS Radio Network online radio at its best. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. No more, it's none of my business. No more, I'm sure they'll work it out. No more, boys will be boys. No more, I'll say something next time. No more, why didn't she tell anyone? No more, she was flirting with him. No more, she's too smart to let that happen. No more, not my problem. No more, he didn't mean it. No more, why doesn't she just leave? No more, he said he was sorry. No more, she was drunk. No more, she was asking for it. No more, she seems just fine to me. No more, she should have been more careful. No more. We don't talk about that. No more bystanding. No more ignorance. No more excuses. No more. No more. No more. WWE Superstar Big Show here to tell you if you've been drinking, get a ride. Take a cab. Find another safe way to get home. Cops all across the country are cracking down on drunk driving. They will see you before you see them. Drive sober or get pulled over. Online radio at its best. Online radio at its best. Hey, 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 good day. If you're ready, map of the south. Let's do this. I'm telling you, I am first very honored that you would join me tonight. He has a very limited time spot, so we want to bring in Mr. Alan Farrell right away. Hey, how are you, Kathleen? You know what? I'm going to make you do what I do, baby. Man, what's crack-a-lackin', baby? What's crack-a-lackin'? It's time for the serious side of the Jay Brown Show. Don't try to call me out, princess. You can take your love and true purpose and stick it. She's a bitch. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. Network. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Giles Snyder. Authorities say five people were stabbed late last night during a Hanukkah celebration in Muncie, New York, about 30 miles north of New York City. Police say the unidentified male suspect fled the scene. He is now believed to be in police custody, though. And Jim Newman has the latest. The attack occurred at a rabbi's home during a celebration of the seventh night of Hanukkah in a region with a growing Hasidic Jewish community. The Orthodox Jewish Public Affairs Council says one victim was stabbed at least six times. The attack comes after a surge in anti-Semitic violence in the New York region. Four people died in a shooting at a northern New Jersey kosher market earlier this month. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo has called the stabbings a cowardly act and has directed the state police hate crimes task force to investigate the attacks. The five people were taken to hospitals for treatment. It is unclear what the extent of their injuries are. Jen Newman, NPR News. According to a database compiled by the AP, USA Today and Northeastern University, there were 41 mass killings in the United States in 2019, more than any other year dating back to the 1970s. Mass killing defined in this study as four or more people killed at the same event, excluding the perpetrator. And as NPR's Julie Bailey reports, these numbers do not count the victims who survived. El Paso and Odessa, Texas, Dayton, Ohio, Virginia Beach, Virginia, and Jersey City, New Jersey. These are just a few of the mass shootings that were in the headlines this year. Yet most of the mass killings were barely mentioned in national news. 
The majority of the 210 deaths involve people who knew each other, and most attacks occurred in homes or workplaces. Only nine occurred in public. According to the data, nearly half of U.S. states experienced a mass slaying, and of the 41 mass killings, eight were not shootings. They involved knives, axes, or arson. The database does not keep track of victims who were wounded, but among the three mass shootings in August, more than 65 people were injured. Julia Bailey, NPR News, Washington. An explosion that hit a military parade in southern Yemen has killed at least five people. There has been no claim of responsibility. But the BBC's Alan Johnston reports the attack is being blamed on the Houthi rebel movement based in the north of the country. The blast targeted a graduation ceremony for recruits to the Security Belt Forces, a powerful organization backed by the United Arab Emirates. It's part of the coalition that's fought with Yemen's government against the Houthi rebels. And security sources say the attack on the parade was a Houthi missile strike. The rebels have not yet commented on the report. They were behind a very similar attack on a security belt forces graduation parade last August, which killed more than 30 people. You're listening to NPR News. Coming up next on The Serious Side, on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. I think I've done more than any other first-term president ever. I have a phony witch hunt, which is just a phony pile of stuff. Mueller comes out, there's no collusion, and essentially a ruling that no obstruction, and they keep going with it. You know what? People are angry about it. I don't think that's what he found, but we don't have time for that. Now we'll talk about that later. That is what he found. Excuse me. He found no collusion. And he didn't find anything having to do with obstruction because they made a ruling based on his findings and they said no obstruction. He didn't examine collusion. He laid out evidence of obstruction. But were you trying to say now that there was collusion, even though he said there is no collusion? He didn't say there's no collusion. He said no collusion. He said he didn't look at collusion. George, the report said no collusion. Uh, Did you read the report? Uh, Yes, I did. And you should read it too. I read it. it. (laughs) Bill, you know, I'm going to need somebody to take the blame for this. Yeah, but where are you going to find a sacrificial patsy that'll do anything you say? Not if. Don't worry, I've got the perfect stooge. <laughs> Hello? Big Mike, how's church going? You still waiting on uh, what's-his-face to come back? You mean Jesus, sir? Uh, yeah, that's right. Sure. Listen, I'm just calling you about this whole Ukraine whistleblower thing. It's looking pretty bad for you. For me, but you're the one who broke the law. Hey, wait a minute. Don't try to drag me into your mess. Former Mayor Rudy Giuliani. Good to have you on the show. (laughs) I'm glad I'm on tonight because what you just said is totally erroneous. It is sad to watch what happened to you. It's sad. Sad to watch what happened to me. I'm a sellout. You are a sellout. You are telling me that I'm a sellout. You are standing up for two systems of justice. Oh, I'm standing up for two systems of justice. You're just repeating spin. The prosecutor... But but you don't, right? You're not spinning anything. Go ahead. I'm not spinning a damn thing. You to ask the Ukraine to investigate Joe Biden. 
No, actually, I did tell So you did ask Ukraine to look into Joe Biden? Of course I did. Yeah, look, you should have your hand on your face. You know why? This is all a distraction from what I asked you for. No, it isn't a distraction, Chris. The resolution as amended is ordered reported favorably to the House. Members will have two days to submit views. The resolution will be reported as a single amendment in the nature of a substitute. Without objection, staff is authorized to make technical and conforming changes. Without objection, Mr. the committee is adjourned. Mr. Chairman. Pursuant what purpose does the gentleman seek recognition? Pursuant to Clause 2L of Rule 11, I give notice of intent to file dissenting views. Notice is heard. Without objection, the committee is adjourned. I have my gun pointed, and I'm saying, let me see your hand, let me see your hand. What were you focused on? Him. Former Dallas police officer Amber Geiger tearfully detailed the confrontation that ended Botham Jean's life. The 26-year-old accountant was alone in his apartment when Geiger pushed the door open, thinking it was her apartment. She says Jean shouted back and that it all ended in a few seconds. Hey! 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 And that's at that point whenever I shot The man suspected of killing Grammy-nominated rapper Nipsey Hussle has pleaded not guilty. Prosecutors charged 29-year-old Eric Holder with murder, two counts of attempted murder, and one count of possession of a firearm by a felon Thursday. Hussle was fatally shot outside his clothing store in South Los Angeles. That was happening here in the city of St. Louis as of right now. We've been seeing it too much this summer. We're talking about 11 children killed since June. That's so tragic to hear and it's so tragic to say as well. The latest happening just yesterday, happening Monday evening in Hyde Park neighborhood. Here's a look at that seven-year-old boy. His name is Xavier Usanga. He was heading into the second grade at Clay Elementary School, but his life was tragically cut short on Monday. Today was the day he was supposed to be getting up and getting ready for school, and that tragically is not happening. Stephen A. said that every black person in America should vote Republican for at least one election. Stephen A. Smith is joining me now. Stephen, who are you trying to send a message to? Republicans, Democrats, African-Americans, all of the above? I'd go with all of the above. That sounds about right. But specifically the Democratic Party from the standpoint that I definitely believe that the black vote has been taken for granted. And primarily the black community is at fault in my estimation in that regard, simply because on one hand, we're giving one party our vote because they've successfully gone about the business of convincing our community that the other party, the Republican Party, is completely against the interest of the black community. What to make of the back and forth this week between 2020 Democratic frontrunner Joe Biden and candidate Cory Booker and others over Biden's remarks at a fundraiser on Tuesday night expressing nostalgia for a more civil time in politics when Biden said things got done in Washington. He cited working with conservative Democratic senators Herman Talmadge, whom he called one of the meanest guys, and James Eastland, both of whom were segregationists. But Biden used as an example of civility the fact that they didn't call him boy, they called him son. And the real dilemma posed by reparations is just that, a dilemma of inheritance. It is impossible to imagine America without the inheritance of slavery. As historian Ed Baptist has written, enslavement, quote, shaped every crucial aspect of the economy and politics of America, so that by 1836, more than 600 million, or almost half of the economic activity in the United States derived directly or indirectly from the cotton produced by the million-odd slaves. 
Yeah, I, I don't think reparations for something that happened 150 years ago for whom none of us currently living are responsible is a good idea. Uh, we've, you know, tried to deal with our original sin of slavery by fighting a civil war, by passing uh, landmark civil rights legislation. Uh, we've elected an African-American president. I, I think we're always a work in progress in this country, uh, but no one currently alive was responsible for that. It's about to get easier to purchase alcohol on Sundays in the state of New York. NPR's Allison Aubrey reports the state legislature and the governor announced last week that bars and restaurants will be allowed to start serving drinks on Sunday mornings. Welcome to the serious side of the Jay Wilde Show with Mrs. Vanessa Maybell, Mr. Jerome Esprit, the official texter of the show, Mr. Johnny D, and Mr. Elias. Now here is your host, Jay Wilde. Good Sunday morning to you folks. Today is December 29th, 2019, the last Sunday in the year 2019. Of course, that's the reason why, and always at this time, we have this, this unusually long intro because we're trying to let you know and trying to touch every story that we talked about during 2019. Once again, good morning. I'm Jay Rowell. Glad you guys are here for the serious side. The number is 347 Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. I'm excited to get the show off the ground. Hope you guys had a wonderful holiday. We're back after a two-week hiatus, but now we're here as we are every year at the end of the year for our end of the year special, where our hosts, our panelists, will give us one of their favorite stories of 2019. But before they can give us the stories, we have to bring them in, right? So look, let me bring in all your favorite hosts in the in the world. First up. She brings a southern swing, a southern swing, a southern something-something to the show. She's my big sis. Haven't talked to her in a minute. Can't wait to hear her lovely voice this morning. Let's say good morning to the very lovely Vanessa Maybelli. From the McAnally, good morning, Vanessa. Hope you had a very Merry Christmas, ma'am. How are you? Good morning. I just love you, Jay. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you. Um... I had sinus surgery Christmas Eve, so I was in the bed. I have been in the bed for the last three or four days. But oh. I well because I feel okay. Yeah. Yeah. But Happy New wow. Year to you. Happy Jay, New Year to you. can you believe this? The last Sunday to go to church in Houston, it just started storming. It is like storming in my house. Yeah, it is. It's coming out real bad. So, uh, yeah, it's waking. It's, it's making its way over here too. And you know, I, I usually try to go to church in style in my bins on Sunday, but uh, we'll be riding in the truck after the show. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. All right, the man who I call the educator brother, my little brother, man, y'all just don't know how much this guy means to me. And uh, and I'm so happy and ecstatic and thrilled that he's a part of this network family. Let's bring him in. You know who he is. His first name begins with J, but he also goes by D. So we're going to say Johnny D in the place to be. Good morning, sir. Welcome in. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. How are you, sir? Oh, good morning. Good morning. I tell you, it has been such a while. 
I, you know, I woke up this morning as, as I typically do, giving, you know, honor and praise to my Lord and Savior. And I was just so thankful that we would have an opportunity to come into the home of the listeners and that I get a chance to share with you all. Uh, you know, I, I had an additional week. I was suffering with some bronchitis. And then, of course, we had the two oh. weeks where the show was down. So for me, it seems like it's been several months. And I'm just thankful yes. to be here. So again, happy holidays. Uh, that in, that's inclusive of Kwanzaa and, and, and Hanukkah as well. So I want to make sure that all of, of, of our Kwanzaa, yeah, absolutely, cover them all. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> indeed. So all of, I want to make sure all of our brothers and sisters uh, have their celebration this month here. Looking forward to the topics. Looking forward to the show. A lot is happening in 2019, and um, like I say, just looking forward to the dialogue. And, 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 and the opportunity to, to be a part of, of the show again. Thank you. Good morning, My man. <laughs> Good morning, Miss Vanessa. And the man who gets the first and last word. We call him the Chief Hunter around here. You know, he's so cool. He's so fresh and so clean. You know, this guy is my brother, the one and only Mr. L to the E to the S. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Good morning, sir. Good morning, and how are you doing this morning? Good morning, Hulk, and mwah. good morning, Nessa. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. Our, our colleague, Mr. Jerome Esprit, usually joins us after his commitment to Clear Channel Radio, but until then, we hold it down, 347-850-1272. Uh, as always, if you've been listening to this show for the past, I don't know, eight, nine years, you know at the end of the year, we have an end-of-the-year special where we look at stories that uh, you know that we covered on the show throughout the past 12 months and you know I tell you what this is probably one of the first uh, EOWs Mr. Elias EOYs I'm sorry Mr. Elias that we've had where it's like my goodness we don't have enough time to fit all the stories in I mean if we really wanted to touch yeah. on everything we'd be here all day <laughs> so we have time constraints yeah. and so my god it's just so much to talk about so I can't wait to hear what you guys have that you guys want to talk about this morning I can't wait to get into it so without any further ado let's get into this broadcast Broadcast three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. You can jump into the world famous chat room, hang out there, and of course we're monitoring social media sites throughout the broadcast. So say something nice, say something that makes sense. Don't be disrespectful, and who knows, you may hear your comments during the chatterbox uh, section of the show, which is about approximately uh, ninety minutes away. All right, so until then, it's time to get it started. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. And Vanessa, we're starting with you. All right, tell us a story. That uh, that really caught your attention this year, and that uh, we covered on the serious side. Um, I had to first. I had to think for a minute, and then I realized. I guess this is so sad to me. Um, the children, the fact that Donald Trump would lock up all these children. Some of them who couldn't even speak, some of them were being breastfed. He locked them up. They don't even know who they belong to. Some of them are still locked up. And a lot of the parents are having to pay $700, I think is what it is, to get a DNA testing to help find their child. When all that oh, wow, I didn't hear their part. Was, I'm sorry? No, I, said, I, I didn't hear that part. Wow, that's new news for me. Didn't know they had to pay to find yeah, out to have DNA tests conducted. 
Well, then they tested him, found their child, when all he had to do was do what Obama did, was send the entire family back to Mexico. Ship everybody back. Mama, daddy, uncle, sister, cousin. But no, he wanted these these children in cages. And then for his wife to have this, this um, little organization called Do Your Best or Be Your Best or whatever it is about bullying. And her husband is the biggest bully of them all, especially with children. I can't get past that. Not in 19 and not in 2020 can I get past that. Yeah, that's one of those stories, Ms. Elias, is that, you know, as parents, as uncles, as aunts, you know, it's something that tugs at you, you know, because, I mean, if you don't have children, then you, I'm pretty sure you are, if you are a decent person, at least, you should have a very good relationship with small children and been a part of small children's lives, being a role model. And so, you know, when you know this, you know, the first thing that, that, that comes to your mind is, my goodness, you know, what if my child was stuck in that place? You know, we covered the story a couple of weeks ago, the young man who died in federal custody from the flu. And it's, you know, it's caught on videotape. So when you think about what this administration is doing when it comes to children locked up at the border, and the fact that a federal judge gave them, I don't know, six months ago to get it squared away, and they still haven't done it? I mean, this is just par for the course with this administration. They just ignore anything that's legal and do what the hell they want to do. What say you? Well, you know some Jay, uh, have to agree with Vanessa. I mean, to watch, you know, a child locked up, you know, taken away from their parents, you know, just because even even these people that are seeking asylum, you know, in the right way. I mean, no matter how you come into this country, you know, you can talk all the trash you want to. This administration is trying to just break families up, and. You know, I don't get it. If you're seeking a better life and you come in, you're seeking asylum. Why would you? Why? Why in the hell would you break up a family? Why in the hell would you do that? I don't get the the, the how this administration has how they can sleep at night. I don't. I don't. I don't understand. And and, and I, I got Facebook friends and these. These are the same clowns that are sit there and say, good form. They shouldn't have never came over here in the first place. And if that's the case, none of us should be none of us should be here either. Because we were, uh, you know, the white man came over and brought disease with him when he came over here. So you only want to look at it that way. So don't play this game. But this is how this is how we work, and this is how people do stuff all the time. They'll talk about what 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 you shouldn't do, and they're the same hypocrites that have done it. Just like Donald Trump talking about immigrants and this. Look at your wife, partner. Your wife is an immigrant, and she came over here illegally. But, hey, that's okay. That's swept under the rug. And his in-laws you know, Johnny live in the White House, if y'all didn't know that. Yeah, oh, yeah, his, his in-laws, in-laws, you know, he, talk, he, he, he talked about chain migration, Johnny D, and, you know, and that's how his wife's parents got here. But it's amazing, and I'm glad Mr. Elias brought that up, how, you know, people uh, – uh, wink, wink, white folks talk about how, oh, my goodness, they shouldn't be in this country anyway. You know, my goodness, aren't you immigrants? <laughs> you weren't here first. It's amazing how people can just take stuff and say, oh, it's ours. Now, guess what? Get out. I mean, these people are coming over legally, and the bottom line is is that, uh, you know, this administration is like the hell with it. We have some rabbit. We have 39% of the base that thinks that this stuff is okay. And so, yeah, let's go ahead and do it. Your thoughts? Your thoughts, Johnny? Is he here? Oh, yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm here, Jay. Uh, I was a little distracted by something. Uh, just 
you know, anti-immigration is really on on the rise. I, I was looking at at the news the other day, and you know, although Netanyahu wasn't the first one, uh, you know, you had people in Poland and uh, Italy and, and some other world leaders who have basically jumped on that anti-immigration uh, rhetoric as as far as world leaders, and certainly that's kind of synonymous with with Donald Trump and, and his election. Uh, back in 2016, where, where he, you know, banning Muslims and, and building this wall. So that was, you know, really two of his mainstays. But, you know, one of the things that I want to talk about once we get there is, is really just the year in unrest and hate. And this right here is, is kind of, you know, aligns itself with, with that with that topic and that subject as well. You know, where to, to think that you can do people like that um, – is one sad, and it really have no facts. Um, you know, America was built on immigration, uh, as, as Les said, as you have brought up. You know, you look at his wife. His wife is, is, is not U.S. born. So it's just amazing how you can, you know, favor the, the fair-skinned or European uh, immigrants, but at the same time condemn those from the darker country nations, uh, Central America, South America, uh Africa, the African countries, and Haiti, you know, but that is, that's typical, so he's just kind of following suit with some other uh, world leaders, but uh, again, sad, um, the, the, the young children that's having to, to endure those camps, and as well as, you know, the parents being separated from their children, and these are stories that really have just kind of uh, died down in the mainstream media, and thank God for shows like the serious side that keep it going you know johnny it's interesting you say that i mean i look at all this stuff and and you know and it kind of reminds me of that moment in that movie a time to kill where you know i mean everybody was you know it had the whole city in the uproar because these three white boys or four white boys took this black girl raped her beat her she couldn't have kids anymore threw beer cans at her and you know it was even a debate it seems to me that once they got the proof that they did it let's just get rid of them and so then the closing arguments with Matthew Connery said, hey, guess what? Close your eyes and imagine if she was white. You shouldn't have to imagine anyone being white. If there were blue-eyed, blind-headed kids down there in cages, America would be in an outrage. An outrage. And so the bottom line is that, oh, they shouldn't be here. What, what, if, what if folks came down from Canada or came from no East? I mean, it's just ridiculous how folks try to put a spin on something. These are human beings. When we bleed, we all bleed red. Exactly. And, you know, the thing is that there's no, you know, there's border enforcement in in Canada, but not nearly the concentration and the efforts that um, is coming from, you know, Mexico and and South and Central America. Yeah. So the reality of it is, is, you know, you've got the illicit drugs, the terrorists coming in from the northern uh, borders as well. So, there's a threat to, to America's interest in both in, in, in all aspects of by land, by sea. So to concentrate solely on the Hispanic and Latinos in South and Central um, America and, and Mexico, uh, again, just shows uh, you know, America's interest uh, in, in always trying to uh, be discriminatory and demeaning towards mm-hmm. the darker country. And it is what it is, you know. Yeah, because they, they don't is, care you know. about the Russians coming in here. 
Nothing about that. Oh, they don't care about the Russians. The Russians, Russians come, look too much no, like they them. they come in here all day you long, and they, they, you know, they have babies in Florida, and they, they become American citizens right away. They say nothing about that. That's just a natural fact. Yeah, according to them, it's covered under the umbrella. I remember when I was an HR director for this company, and when we had to bring in diversity training and people to come in, and I remember I invited this guy that came over to come and speak to our group, and he was a... Uh, he was, he used to be a white supremacist, and he talked about a lot of things. It really resonated with a lot of our with our employee force. And and I remember the one thing he said that really I took away from that thing. He says, you know, he says, and I think I've said this on the show before. He said, uh, look, he said, if I'm in the middle of a, an ocean and I'm drowning, and there's a person on the shore that's holding a rope with a lifesaver on the end of it, he says. I'm not, I don't care if that person's black. I don't care if that person's Republican. I don't care if that person's a Democrat. I don't believe, I don't care if they're a Black Panther or a KKK member. What I care about is if that person has enough strength in their right or left arm to throw that rope out there to save my life. And that's what you people need to start thinking about. It ain't about all that stuff. You shouldn't hate someone because of the color of their skin or what they believe in. It's ridiculous. Speaking of uh, color of your skin, we have this beautiful black man who has just joined us. Uh, we call him the smartest man in the world, Mr. Jerome Esprit from EspritRadio.net, and the man who brings me, brings us on a weekly basis, on a need-to-know basis. Jerome's in the house. Good morning, sir. How are you? Hey, good morning, man. I'm good. How are you? Hey, man, good morning, another Jerome. Another day in paradise. No palm trees. <laughs> You're in special, Jerome. We were talking about uh, the immigrant. You know, Vanessa brought up the kids at the border, the situation at the border. I want to get your comments on that, sir. Um, you know, as as far as um, I mean, it, it says something about our humanity more than it says anything about like um, our politics. So, right. I know when we talk about the kids on the border, we kind of talk about this us-against-them um, mentality of the country, and mm-hmm. this has been going on for years. We this, it, this country didn't just become divisive, right? It always had a tinge of supremacy and hate in it, and it's not just a little. It kind of flows through the veins of this country, and so it's an mm-hmm. artery. And what we don't do enough is actually check our humanity, and that whole thing about you know, locking kids on cage, in cages and stuff is about our humanity. And I don't think we ever talk about it from that aspect. I think we talk about it in a political way, like how is this going to hurt mm-hmm. with voters and how are people going to look at this. And it has more to do with our humanity. So when I think about um, what they've done as an administration, I think it just makes the United States look cruel across the uh, all across the world. And what it reminds me of is when 9-11 happened they had all these little kids on tv you know crying saying you know why do everybody hate us and they're trying to tug at everybody's heartstrings with little kids but at the same time you can be cruel to kids so we show a, a, a great contradiction when it really comes to who we are and for those people who won't stand up against that then technically they're showing their hand so this country can be really cruel and we don't like to think of ourselves as being that way, but anybody who's laying, you know, passive on the side of what, what happened to um, immigrant, immigrant kids just because they're not your kids and um, cannot empathize with how black folks said that they've been treated in this country, they have a problem um, in their own humanity on how they see other people that don't look like them. 
and you know we we have a thousand stories that kind of talks about this but mainly anytime i think about this issue you know because since we're looking at this as a year in um perspective when we look at the um history of this year when it came to that history is going to show that we our humanity sucks as a nation christianity does not live here like that right it doesn't drive our politics it it lives in individuals but it does not live in us as a nation and it's our policies um as a nation you're absolutely correct. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. It's the serious side. It's the end of the year special. We have this show every year. Talk about some of the stories that we covered here on the serious side throughout the past twelve months. And you know, when we talk about the end of the year special, that also means we're going to take a look at some of the, uh, you know, because it's time for uh, on a need to know basis. Not a need to know basis. I'm sorry. Uh, in four minutes or less, something that you need to know. You know, we had some uh, powerful uh, stories during that segment, but uh, I want to play one that. Uh, that really resonates with people that look like us. So it's time for this week's edition of In Four Minutes or Less, something that you need to know. We'll be right back. It's uh, the serious side, the last Sunday in 2019. Glad you're here with us, folks. We appreciate you. Unspoken code of white of, of racism and white supremacy that says that my life does not matter. You can put yeah. your hands up and say and cooperate and say that I'm choking and still be killed and then there's no repercussion. It's maddening. I get so frustrated and angry um, about um, having to prepare my kids for something that. That they're not responsible for. And these are conversations that people of other races do not have to have with their children. The conversation with him was really just, look, you're a beautiful young boy. Being an African American is a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful blessing. You have come from great people. But it's also a hard thing. In America, because of your skin color, as a black boy and as a black man, We are going to be dealing with a lot of danger. Under no circumstance are you to talk to the police if you're arrested until I get there. Do what they say. Don't get into any arguments. Make sure your hands are out of your pockets so they can see. These are the questions you can ask. This is who to call. This is is what happens if this bad thing... It's not like, please, master, don't whip me. No, it's like, excuse me, sir, what is your badge number? I'm going to film this. If you want police brutality to stop, if you want police to treat you like a human being, then you you have to see yourself as a human being. You have every right in this world that anyone else does. What I love about you as my son is I remember when we thought about having you and you know knowing that we wanted you. And watching you grow. You are the Muhammad Ali. You are the Malcolm X. You are the Martin Luther King. You are an amazing young man. And the future is yours. And I will do my best to make sure you're safe. That's it. I love you.
Today, about one in five Americans is living with a disability. Over 50 million people, including many of our friends and neighbors, teachers and co-workers, heroes and leaders. 20 years ago, the Americans with Disabilities Act guaranteed every person the right to live, work, and participate fully in the American experience. We've come a long way since then, and we are committed to making even more progress in the years ahead. Visit disability.gov to see how you can help. And look, this is the same thing they did to Barack. Yes. This is this is not new to us. And so I think that um, we know what they're trying to do. Welcome back in 347-850-1272. That was Senator Kamala Harris, uh, no longer in the presidential race, talking about some of the tactics people do when it comes to, you know, candidates who are uh, running for president, which she was at one point in time. All right, it's the year-end special, folks, and we're talking about some of our favorite stories, stories that uh, that uh, have meant a lot to us, stories that really resonated with us, and each host is going to bring one of their stories to the table. So, Johnny D, the, 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 the will that stopped on you, sir, what are we talking about here, sir? What story impacted you the most in 2019? You know, Jay, it, it was several that that impacted me and, and I thought uh, 2019 was certainly the year of the woman um, but then also civil and, and, and unrest throughout you know the global economy uh, you got at least 10 countries that's, that's having some type of you know unrest with, within their within their nations at this point in time mm. And then, of course, gun violence. So, like I said, I had multiple topics. I couldn't just hone in on one, but I, for the sake of the, 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 the show, I, I will. Uh, I, I just have to talk about the the, the year of, 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 the, of the women. Um, I just thought that unprecedented that the woman ultimately stood out uh, in all aspects, politics, business, uh, just just a tremendous year, well well deserved uh, recognitions are finally, you know, overdue. But um, you know, like I say, it's, I, I thought a great deal of, of, of my mother, you know, and and the things that she did coming up, and it kind of took me back there, where you know, never would I have thought, you know, as as, as a young child running around, that it would have been this much acknowledgement of just how beneficial women are. You know, in the African-American community, we've always known that, and we've always cherished the women in our lives, or, or should have, and had every right to do so. But when you look at, you know, the world perspective, you know, long gone are the days of Leave it to Beaver and, you know, the image of, of, of the, the mother, you, you know, um, that, that, that he had. And then, you know, you can even look at um, the, the Jeffersons and, you know, the Wheezy Jefferson, you know, a, a stay-at-home individual, which wasn't indicative of what we saw, uh, Claire Huxtable, you know, all of those images that we saw on television that that was resonated and, and raised to a level, now you're seeing that spotlight being shined on women for doing some well-deserved uh, work. You know, I, I've, I've been saying, you know, in, in, in my line of business, uh, my, my female staff members have, have carried um, every organization, every association that I've had. So I just thought it was a great year, a great opportunity to acknowledge their, their, their work, their value, 
and what they have accomplished and, and just looking forward to being able to see how we can merge uh, our our interest, meaning the African-American interest, into the more global uh, of female presence and, and, and allow us to, to do one thing, which means we've got to all look at uh, that the, the, the day of the individual who feels like they wear the crown, that day is over with. And I think that's what we're seeing in politics where, you know, I still say, you know, sh- shame on, shame on the, the white male for trying to defend wrong the way that they do simply because, you know, they don't want to accept the fact that, you know, perhaps your day is over. And um, and, and like I say, the women, the, the, the females have certainly uh, uh, resonated uh, and, and you know, with all due respect, uh, it, it is that time. So, you know, that that was one of the things that I thought was favorable. And then, of course, uh, the civil unrest, the uh, gun violence, just the hate, the, the hate in the world. You know, those are the ugly parts of it. So, you know, let let, let let's talk. Let's talk about something that's optimistic. Let's just talk about the the the, the, the year of the woman. Hey, and do me a favor, tell your wife I said hello, because I'm pretty sure she was there just smiling, listening to you. No, I'm just joking with you. <laughs> it is a year of the woman. Uh, look, the bottom line is uh, that, you know, we have a record number of women uh, who ran for president this year, uh, Jerome. It wasn't something that was out of the norm. Uh, you know, something people talked about that. You know, the fact that, you know, there there's, used to be just one. I think this past year we had, what, like four or five? Uh, we had Kamala Harris, we, you know, a Klobuchar, uh, 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 what's, what's Elizabeth Warren, 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 uh, what's the crazy lady in the white suit? <laughs> uh, then we had Jill, whatever her name was, the psychic person. We had a record number of women who ran for office this year. And just, you know, let's talk about the impact that women have had. You know, look at how women stood out during some of the Senate uh, during some of the Senate trials. You know, some of the memorable exchanges with Kamala Harris with with uh, Judge Kavanaugh. So 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 it was a year where women really stood out, and America just said, you know what? Let's acknowledge their leadership, their power, their grace. Here's what I never understood, Jerome. How <laughs> everybody knows that your mama runs everything. And it's amazing how mama can be in charge all the way up until you get 18, doing, and you get 18 all of a sudden, you know, hey, it's a man's world. <laughs> Let's speak to uh, the importance of the emergence of the woman, the Me Too movement, the whole nine yards, sir. Um, you know, I'm probably the last person you actually want to speak to about this, honestly. Uh-oh. Because <laughs> I'm probably not really good at this. I I feel some, I feel a different way about the whole concept, right? So, you know, when I think about things like this, I always put them in historical con- context, right? So if you look at the women's suffrage movement, you know, Susan B. Anthony, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, um, all of those guys, you, you look at the women's suffrage movement as being built on the back of somebody else. Right. So when I look at it, you can talk about the fact that they shunned Sojourner Truth, who was helping them out, and Harriet Tubman, and all of those guys. And I think most of the time when it comes to white women generally, it is always a pushback against white males because white males are actually harder on women. Like, they're really hard on women. So their, their pushback is always an alternative which keeps power still in their house. So anytime we go through backlashes, right, so in a bigger picture, when we, you, you mentioned Congress and, and politics, 
the backlash to having a black president was having a really racist president, <laughs> like a racist conservative, like a white supremacist as president. That was your backlash to a black president. So what's your alternative? Well, it is not getting more black people in there. It's getting white women in there to give you an illusion of diversity. Right? But if you look at what, t- what it took to get those women elected, you'd have to think about the diversity that it took to get them elected. I don't look at black women as, uh, you know, or, or Hispanic women or Asian women. I don't say they're not white women. White women take over your movement like nobody's business. So even if you look at the black women who, who you know, initiated the Me Too movement, you don't even see no diversity in Me Too. They took that piece. It is always strategic for me when I think about how movements get co-opted. So I am not a cheerleader for none of this stuff because I know where this is pushing the rest of us back. It is going to hand power back over to white men because the problem that you had doing a Hillary Clinton race against Trump is that um, this number of women that said they were going to vote for Hillary Clinton ended up majority voting for Trump. So if you put power back into white females, generally, it is still going back to white men. So I hate to be delusional to say, hey, this is a new world and this backlash against you know the white male patriot. It is not. It is not. It is transferring from one side to the other. So I'm always really careful about this because – I, although I, I think of people as individuals and not technically as a collective, our collective consciousness in this country defaults to supremacy and chauvinism and all these other things. Now, big up to the women who decide to run, but I don't know if you've dealt with any some, some of those women who are in power. They don't like men, right? And you try to get in there and try to get some diversity even amongst those women. Um, you're going to have some problems. Nancy Pelosi has not been a great leader. She's been a smart one because she's been there long enough to know how to position herself one way or another, right? And that's, the, that's a process issue. So she's a great leader. I, when all the people came in and they said, hey, we need to go with new leadership, I thought Pelosi should stay. And, and for the impeachment part of this, Pelosi needs to be there. Pelosi's not progressive worth squat, so it's not going to change anybody's condition on the ground just to have women as leadership. I think President Obama is wrong for saying that because people take the president's words out of context. Like he's saying women, women are smarter than men. I'm, I'll tell you that, and I've always said that. I actually understand this thing in a spiritual sense. But to understand that, the people wisdom tells us that power oh, – I'm sorry, that leadership comes – in a role of maneuvering. Women always manage everything, the civil rights movement, whatever, the smartest people on the planet, women. But that can be misconstrued if you're still giving power back to the same power structure that kept you enslaved to begin with. So I'm, I'm really skeptical and not really big on saying, hey, look at the big impact that this group has had opposed to that group. I think it's a matter of dissecting what the bigger problem is. Because the bigger problem in why Hillary Clinton is not in president now is because of white women. Although now that Trump is doing what he's doing, they're saying, oh, now we need to find our voice. Yeah, you had a voice. You elected that fool. So how do we trust you not to reinstitute the same thing that you think that we're fighting against? We need to be smarter. Uh, so I can't, I well, can't dissect men and women like that. But I, I 
I think that's a false narrative to me. So I should have gone last. My bad. <laughs> I didn't mean to throw water. No, 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 no problem. No, no. I mean, that's, no, no, no. Because I think that sets the, the tone for. I'm going to ask Vanessa. She's a woman on the panel. What do you think about what Jerome just said? Because uh, no, don't. You know, especially the part that white women. Right. The white women. Because don't take that out of context. I think women are smarter than men and are natural leaders. I truly believe that. Yeah. But just like in you the Native American community, the the clan mothers picked the chiefs because the power resides in women. But but men, okay. as far as pushback, are warriors, right? We have a different function in there in that particular society. So I'm not okay. saying that you put women in those positions. I'm just saying that women are naturally. Um, you know, have more are, right. are intellectually smart and and should be respected, and we all should do that. Okay. Well, all right. Well, all right. Well, listen. All right. Now he now he put some clarity to his comments. Vanessa, what say you? Okay, I don't I don't disagree with Jerome when everybody was saying that they thought that that crazy one EOC or whatever her name was. What's her name? AOC should have been yeah, Alexander in Pelosi's position. I kept saying that Pelosi was the one to do it, even though she plays the game with the senior, older white men on the panel. They're friends, so she's not just going to tear them down like I wish she would. She still knows how to play the game with them, and she is the right person. And I truly believe that it is or was the white women. It wasn't the black women that stopped Hillary from getting in. It was the white women. And they've hated her since Bill got caught with the dress. So, you know, I just don't disagree with Jerome at all. Everything you said was absolutely correct. And I don't trust white women's votes. As a matter of fact, I don't trust the white people's vote for 2020 because I have to hold on in my heart to believe that some of these people who say they're going to vote for Donald Trump because their husbands want them to vote for Donald Trump Mm. are going to do the correct thing when they walk in that poll and going to vote their conscience because they are a mother. I I have Mm. to believe that. Because once you walk mm. in the poll, don't know what button you push. I just got a phone call the other day from Donald Trump asking for donations, and I'm not a Republican. So I'm just saying, mm. people don't know yeah. who you vote for, what button you push. So I hope, and I'm going to be posting that. Unless, if you noticed, over the Christmas holidays, I have not been posting Trump over the holidays. I have not. I took a break. Well, I took you a breather. on that one, baby. But, but honey, you January is going to be on and popping. <laughs> I didn't give him a break. Man. I want to pop it in January. All right, Miss Elias, man, let me get your comments on, on this. On this topic, what do you think about this well, whole thing? Know you know, it's you're the woman. Well, I, I have to agree, man. You know, um, agree with somebody. Somebody with with, with statements that have been made. Um, look, yeah. man, uh, somebody made the statement that your mother raises you. And put you where you should be, and then it's like, no, man, you know what? A woman teaches you a lot of things in life, so we should honor them. And, why, you know, I don't understand why women are treated like second-class citizens. I don't understand that. Especially even in politics, from the vote, where they weren't allowed to vote, until now. You know, 
it, it, I don't understand how. I, I've even heard some women say that they would never vote for a woman to be president. I was like, I'm voting for the best candidate. I don't care whether she's a woman or what. So I don't get it. I, I, I don't understand. And I, wow, I, I wouldn't be opposed to a woman president. I would not be opposed to a woman president because if she's the best person for the job, she's the best person for the job. If she's going to put our country back in a, and, and 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 where it's supposed to be at, then God bless it. But we as we as men, well, I shouldn't say we. I say some men. They don't they don't want to see a woman in charge of nothing, nothing. They even and they talk about all the Middle Eastern folks. Hell, hell, they the women over the Middle East just not started driving. So and how different is that from us not wanting a woman president? You know, we're not progressive enough to even think about a woman as a president. You know, I, I don't understand that. I, I just don't. It, it befuddles me that somebody would not want you because of your 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 race, your your sex, or whatever you are, because that's what you are. I don't understand it. You're the best person for the job. You're the best person for it. Uh, you know, listen. Every most of the bosses I've had throughout my career have been women, uh, and I'm here to tell you that they're better bosses than men. There's no doubt about it. Uh, matter of fact, I prefer to have a female boss. Uh, I think the chemistry between the man and the woman is a lot different than the man and the man. Uh, I think there's always that natural comp- competition uh, amongst sexes. So you know, you hear people say, you know. For example, women don't like women. You know, you brought up this whole thing with Hillary Clinton, how women – I knew a lot of women said they weren't going to vote for Hillary Clinton. I'm not going to vote for her because she's a woman. Really? I mean, how about voting for her because she's the better candidate? But, you know, you have those mm-hmm. situations. And even when you talk about competition between males. So I've always wanted – I mean, every boss I've had, uh, for the, everyone, for almost every woman, every boss I've had has been a woman. So, uh, you know, listen, kudos to the women because I think they do an outstanding job. They're smarter. They take more time to analyze situations, in my opinion, than a man. And, you know, people talk about women being emotional. I think it's good for some emotions to be involved with stuff. Sometimes it can't just be straight down the line. Uh, so it is what it is. So, Johnny, I'm going to let you uh, finish up on this, man. What do you think, now that you heard from your colleagues? You know what, Jay, uh, like I said, respect of the commentaries, I, I think, you know, in past and previous shows, uh, I, I have certainly been in line with the comments that, that was made in regards to the deception of the 2016 elections and, you know, how, how, how a certain demographic of, of females, uh, particularly the, the, the white females, was all in uproar about Donald Trump and, and, and you know, his antics and, and how offended they were, but the polls show differently. So I'm, I'm certainly in line, but collectively overall, that doesn't diminish my desire to acknowledge, you know, again, the, the, the females and the year that they had in 2019 that was recognized. Again, they've had some great accomplishments, uh, you know, for, for years, uh, but it has not been, as, as prevalent and as recognized as it is today. Uh, certainly, I, I do believe this right here, that, 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 the, that the power that exhibits in the, the affluent uh, households, uh, they will never, never try to give up the crown. So I, I do believe that there is, is, is clearly an intention to say, okay, you know, we'll replace one, one, 
one face, which is the devil, and 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 of course you can look at it as the sister if 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 they're gonna look at it from a political standpoint. But again, just the recognition that's being. Uh, and, and how young ladies and their accomplishments are being embraced. And now that, that you know, looking at parity towards, you know, pay scales and things of that nature right there, I just think that it is overdue and it's high time. But that still doesn't, you know, mean the fact that uh, I'm oblivious to those, those deceptive and, and deceitful individuals who are, more self-serving so i'm in line from that standpoint but again as a favorable as a favorable news story i just thought that the year of the woman and their recognition was something that we needed to talk about absolutely i agree with you and i think that we always have to acknowledge that and i think it's a good thing all right listen uh, real quick uh story i want to try to throw in here real quick before we step out before you you Uh, go on jay can i say something really quick go ahead because i know you're gonna move on can right. I say something? Yeah, absolutely. I, um, in, in the in the counter Oprah narrative, I want to say if you want to honor women, please shout out Black Miss USA, Miss World, Miss Universe, Miss United States, Miss Teen USA, all Black <laughs> women. I will give women a shout out for for having an accomplishment that has some kind of cultural meaning and rele- uh, and relevance to me. And what it means to young mm. girls, because you always see yeah. women in those pageants, but you never see women of color. So if we're going to yeah. honor somebody, and you know that we are doing a counter narrative to regular media stuff, and I don't want to be CNN or MSNBC or Fox, I am telling you, those black women accomplishment means the world to people who look like them. So shout out to those ladies who won those pageants. Absolutely. Well said, my friend. Amen. Well said. Three four seven eight five oh one two seven two three four seven eight five oh one two seven two. It's the year end special of the serious sign, which we do on an annual basis every last Sunday of the month, and of course this is the last Sunday of the month, and uh, once again, happy holidays to you and yours. If you're just joining us, we're back after a two-week hiatus. All right, we're going to step out take a final break, and uh, we'll be back and try to fit in as many stories we can on the other side of this break. You listen to the serious side. It is on the TJRS Radio Network, online radio, and it's best. We'll be right back after this. The serious side continues after a short break. It is the best Sunday morning online radio show, period. Hi, I'm Jay, the host of The Serious Side of the TGRS, and I'm asking you to come join me and my friends for some serious conversation before you go to church. It's The Serious Side of the TGRS. Happens every Sunday morning, 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, right here on the BTR Radio Network. Oh 
memo from inside the campaign, the Buttigieg campaign, detailing a focus group with black voters, some of whom uh, didn't like that he was living with his husband. And the report concluded that, quote, being gay was a barrier for these voters. Is Mayor Buttigieg's Buttigieg's struggle with black voters in your state of South Carolina because he's gay? Well, that's a generational issue. Uh, I know of a lot my age, you feel that way, but I will say this, Dana, my own grandson, who is 20, I think he's 25 years old, <laughs> that guy is a big, beautiful guy, uh, and of course, uh, he does it because he believes in the guy, not because he's gay, my grandson. But for older uh, African Americans, it me, is an issue? Yes, it is, there's no question about that, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and tell you otherwise, because I think everybody uh, knows that's an issue. Uh, but I'm saying it's an issue not the way it used to be. My own grandson is very much born. He is a paid staffer working on the campaign, uh, working on the campus of HBCUs throughout South Carolina. Uh, and so he doesn't care what anybody my age is. 
right, welcome back in. 347-850-1272. That was Representative Clyburn talking about, you know, uh, uh, Pete Buttigieg's uh, failure to really make any headway with black audiences. Welcome back in. Once again, 347-850-1272. It's the serious side. Hope you guys had a great Christmas uh, and Hanukkah, you know, all the holidays during this uh, time of the year. Of course, 2020 is right around the corner. But as always, we take this opportunity to say hello to our just distinguished panelists, and let's just go ahead and keep the tradition rolling. Uh, Vanessa Maybelli, good morning, ma'am. How are you? Oh, I got to turn the mics on. Miss Kelly has turned the mics on, but I need to help, 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 help. All right. Good morning, Vanessa. How you doing? My bad. Good morning. <laughs> I'm just morning, talking. I'm like, oh, nobody's mic's on. Come on, Miss Kelly. Help the brother out. All right. The smartest man in the world, Mr. Jerome Esprit is in the house. Good morning, Jerome. How you doing, brother? Hey, good morning. I'm good. How are you? To an outstanding, the educated brother, the one and only Mr. Johnny D, in the place to be. Good morning, Johnny. How are you? I'm doing well and blessed. Thank you. And of course, the man of the hour. This man needs no introduction. The one and only Mr. L to the E to the S. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, sir. And uh, Mariana Music got us looking in there by Felipe. Yeah, she actually requested something for this morning. I couldn't find it, Mariana. I'll get it on for you next Sunday. Uh, so now, uh, let's say good morning, Mr. Elias, to some folks, if we can, if you don't mind. Um, all we have in the chat room is the usual suspects like Bobo Bright. Easy's not in there. <laughs> and Covina Man was in there. Easy's on line. Of course, you know, it's bike riding time for him, so not. Covina Man's <laughs> not there anymore. Uh, Easy's on the line. What's up, Easy? Uh, listen, our girl, uh, Momo Beezy in the Heezy, she's on the line as well. I want to say what's up to the pastor. Uh, Mariana Music is checking in. She is actually in London. What time is it over there, Mariana? Tell us what's going on. Also, what's up to Fred? Uh, Shamika, did I say that correctly? Hello, Sh- it's Shamika. Okay, hey, Shamika, how you doing? Terry, Tehran, uh, who is this? Robert. Rini, uh, Linda, just a lot of people listening. Thank you so much for tuning in to the serious side of the J. Rowell Show. It's a year-end special, and I want to try to fit in as many stories as I can. So let me stop talking. Let me go to you, Jerome, man. What happened, man? Talk to me about, about something that, a story that really resonated with you this year, this past year. Oh, man. Um, I don't know. You might want to go to LES. A story that resonated with me. I, I don't know. I, the only thing I can think of that is the big story is obviously the impeachment and yeah, how that all big story. <laughs> I mean, that in, in the world of politics, of course, that is you know the, the way that transpires. The biggest part of that story to me is that it took the Democrats a long time because again, like we talked about in the, the earlier segment. You know, that uh-huh. year of the women, woman, um, Nancy Pelosi and those guys were scared to bring that up unless white men kind of came along with them. And so it was you their partnership. So? It was definitely really? that. It's still wow. that's why, That's why okay. the Republicans keep saying Nancy Pelosi promised that it would be bipartisan. The Republicans are electing judges like nobody's business, and they don't give a rat about yeah. nobody on the Democratic side electing the judge. But we don't say that those judges are illegitimate because there was no bipartisan support. 
But the guilt always falls on the Democrats, especially on women, when they say, well, you promised that you would be fair. Or when it's black people, a policeman can shoot you, shoot somebody in your community, and the majority of the community come back to black people and be like, well, not all white people, so you should be fair. Like, they ask us to do that constantly, and it's kind of imprinted on us. So what happens in politics is that none of those guys are taking the reins and saying, look, this guy violated the law. He is not, he's not even bordering on treason. There, there are um, parts of the 14th Amendment that actually kind of talks about the fact that when you side with an enemy or a hostile rival or rival, that you, my friend, are committing treason and you should be removed. Like Trump is siding with Russia over the advice of the Allies and his own yeah. Congress. And nobody sees that as problematic. Yeah. Something is and wrong with And security us. people, too, Jerome. National security no, no, folks that's what as I mean, well. Though. I mean, it's, it's amazing. People. It's, it's like looking at this impeachment thing and people, you know, commentators on news are saying this is bipartisan. It's not. The people who testified were Trump-appointed people. It's not like they were Democrats that went in there and said, oh, here's what Trump said. These are people he appointed. And yeah. we have this thing of convoluting and mixing politics to make them one side or the other or black or white and all that, all that other stuff. And we are not doing a good yeah. job of sifting this. So the impeachment is important that it actually went down as um, a mark on his presidency so that people can look at what not to do. If you didn't do this, then technically, you know, you still have Tulsi Gabbard out here saying, you know, impeachment is just going to embolden him and it's going to help him win. It's like she's running as oh, a Democrat. Shit. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I believe, I've heard other people say this. I believe she is a Russian agent. I believe she's a student. Yeah, I, I tell you what, man. I mean, her actions, the fact that she voted present, she hadn't been there all day, so she shows up to vote present. I, I mean, this, this, I don't know what's up with her, man, but, okay. No, anyway, I do. Sorry, go I, ahead. I think her relationship, to, her relationship to Russia is problematic, right? You so think so? If you take anybody else, just generally, that says the United States, because I'll say this, uh, you know, I've said this in the past, the United States needs to change how its policies work towards other countries, right? So yeah. there is no way we need to go into Libya. We made a villain of that man. And so we went into Libya. So although President Obama didn't want to, Hillary was the war hawk. She coordinated it with the U.N., convinced President Obama. They killed um, Gaddafi, and now they're in chaos. I don't know who that serves because it does, definitely didn't serve us. We created chaos, and we walked away. So when we start talking about people who are warmongering, that's, that's a whole different story. But the, the truth is, when you see people siding outside of the national interest of your own government, then you have to call them out, right? There's no consensus in what he's doing. He's just, you know, he's, he put troops, like, they want to pull troops out of Afghanistan and some other places, but he's putting troops in Saudi Arabia for no good reason. There's no congressional approval of this. This is no reason why he put a thousand troops in Saudi Arabia just to protect his friend who's the king of Saudi Arabia because they have oil and he has business interests there. But that has no national interest in it. So instead of people calling him out on that, we have to play nice and to say, 
oh, whether it's Democrat or Republican, and we may see policy differences, but we need to remain civil. No, you really need to call it out. So this impeachment for the year is a really big thing because it it not only will highlight the fact that this dude has breaking laws, it will continuously make us look at what he's doing, opposed to saying, oh, he wasn't convicted, the Mueller report didn't show anything, and it, we know it did. But if you didn't read it, the headlines, and he keeps repeating the fact that it did not do anything, I think the impeachment was big for us this year, uh, a, a big news story of the year, and should be looked at as the defining story of, um, uh, of, the, of the year. Because you got a president who put, I mean, we're losing like a, excuse me, a trillion dollars a year in deficit. You know, it's adding to deficit. That bill is going to come due. He cut interest rates, so when we go into a recession, you can't cut interest rates, so how are you going to spur more economic growth? So everyone's like, the economy's good, the economy's good. The economy is not good. He accelerated an economy that was already doing good, you know, under Obama. He accelerated it yeah. by having these huge tax cuts and then cutting interest rates. So now it's like he put all the gas in the car and drove 200 miles an hour, and now he can't make it the rest of the way because he would. You know what I mean? He he did not plan for yeah. the future. This president, well, I'm sorry, this nut, this dotard, is not planning for the future because he does not care. He sees life <laughs> in short-term yeah. gains. Yeah, and a, a, a lot of you know he's right. A, a lot of economists have said that uh, all the economy is on a sugar high, that it's going to come down. And I like that in, that analogy that he used. You get in the car, you drive 200 miles per hour. You you may get somewhere fast, but you're not going to get all the way if you just kind of drive the speed limit. I, I'm with you, and that, that's that's a perfect analogy, man. Good stuff. So, um, all right. Well, look, he, he brought it up. He talked about impeachment. He talked about a lot of things there. Let's uh, swing it around and get some uh, get some comments on this. Well, what do you think, Johnny? What do you think what's going to happen with this impeachment thing? All right, well, I'm coming to you, Vince. Let me go to go to uh, Johnny on this one first. Uh, what do you think uh, on this uh, this whole thing with impeachment, uh, Johnny? Then we'll go to Vanessa. What do you think? What do you think is going to happen, man? I think this is smart that Nancy Pelosi is uh, withholding the paper, the articles of impeachment until they get what they want in the Senate. Uh, you know, she's been masterful in her ability to articulate uh, a, a fair. Session and, and, and hearings Although we know that that's not going to happen As long as uh, Mitch McConnell And that band of thieves Are Holding down the Senate So that's not going to happen But I think the way that she has handled it Now again uh, She started off slow in the game But clearly she has shown Some craftiness That perhaps I underestimated With her I still don't Agree with the fact that she hit the pause button and they were contemplating early on about whether they should do it based off of the politic aspect of it. But now that she is orchestrating mm-hmm. it the way that she's doing it, clearly it's frustrating that 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 criminal and that 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 thief that's up in, in Washington opposing uh, as the president is frustrating him to no end to where he doesn't even come up with with a with one of his little crafty uh, nicknames for her. So it's getting up under his skin. I think what it does, it, it just gives an, an open an, an open person the opportunity to see just how corrupt 
the Senate is under the leadership of Mitch McConnell. Uh, the impeachment certainly is, is by far the biggest news uh, story because we've been talking about this literally, if you think about it, folks, we've been talking about this for three years. We've been talking about this since 2016, okay? The need to impeach this guy because of his collusion and his cooperation with Russia. Now it ties into uh, Ukraine, and so it, it the, the story gets bigger. It gets more broadened. Uh, like I say, I'm, I'm, I'm still confused in regards to the direction of the Democratic Party in regards to a viable candidate. But at the same time, I do applaud the, the, the Congress and, and the House for at least doing their job and moving forward with trying to um, at least bring some closure to a corrupt regime and bring some understanding and some justice to the Constitution. So I applaud for that, uh, for that aspect. Vanessa? Vanessa? Yeah, Jay. Uh, yeah, you're next. Uh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. She has something to say. Okay, yeah, absolutely. Well, my comment was about the impeachment. I think it was something to say to do with what Jerome was saying. So um, I think if one of them was when Jerome said that they're putting judges in, I think the Trump has put about 140-something judges Republican judges in the court, people are not paying any attention to it because they're not talking about it. I don't remember what the other comment was I was going to make because it was about what Jerome was saying. But anyway, um, as far as the impeachment goes, um, I think that the impeachment, this is Vanessa, I think the impeachment is going to be a bust uh, because I think that um, it's going to help him more than it's going to hurt us. Um, I believe that because Nobody is getting up there uh, on Trump's side having anything to say because he bullied them, he scared them, he's threatened them, he's passing out money to the senators and to their Congress and stuff before the holiday came in, which to me is bribery. I just don't think that this impeachment is going to have any effect to hurt him. I just think that it is going to take everybody and their mama's daddy's uncle's cousin to drag some people to the polls and have him voted out. And then we're going to have to get a U-Haul to pack him up and move him out because I don't think that Trump is going to go willingly. That's just my thoughts on it. I think that, I, I just think it's just going to benefit him because nothing is turning on him. Nothing is kicking to him. Nothing. So when, when Neil no. came out with the report, he didn't lay no fingers directly on it where the American people could see it. And you're right, Jerome. Many people didn't read that report. So, but, but in general, the, the news reporters didn't say anything that was going to put their hands on Trump. Trump has done so much stuff since the report, and that nobody's saying anything about the 120-something gun laws that's sitting on Mitch McConnell's desk. And Trump ain't even attempted to do a gun law. I mean, come on, people. He has not attempted to do anything about these shootings, these mass shootings, these kids being killed, all these rallies, all these protests. That stuff bounces off of him. This this man is like Superman, and they just bouncing something off of him. I'm serious. I don't know what it is going to take other than everybody, their mama, daddy, uncle, getting out there voting to get him out because nothing 
sticks to him and his crooked group. So I think this impeachment, uh, I just I don't think that's going to have any effect either, but that's just me. Yeah, I, I think it does, though. I think, you, I think the thing that we're missing here is the elections that happened since that man been in office. Mm-hmm. I mean, just yep. think about how many things that they lost, the state seats, the, the, the seats in Congress, like, they've been on a downward yep. spiral. Virginia, yeah. Yeah, and, and as Democrats, I think Democrats, like, they want, like, a fucking gun. They want all the white folks on the Republican side to say, oh, my gosh, he's a bad person. you got to remember, over, like, the, late, the latest yeah, polling better. said that 51% of the people want him removed. They're still just polling the same people, and they're, they're over-polling conservative people generally. So if that number is that high, it was higher than Nixon. Do you think that that won't pan out to be something? Like I, the news is not reflecting that because you have to remember, news's job is to keep you watching the news. So everyone's I understand that, but do you realize how many black people talk about it but don't be about it? No, no, no doubt, no doubt. We we're not engaged like we should be. But I I am saying this because. I don't want to say it this way, but as as when I do campaigns, for example, you think, I mean, I have to count on people voting and not voting, right? So I can see what a flux is and what it's not. So I don't think even the marketing of black people, think about what mar- what's marketed to us. The reason that we don't care is because none of the stuff is reflected back to us. So you, it's hard to watch TV when none of it is reflecting your, your interests or issues. And then television is programming you at the same time. I am glad that black people are not engaged to some degree because a part of being engaged is a part of being brainwashed. So until there's something that somebody speaks to them with a voice that they can hear, I would prefer them not, I would prefer to not undo something. Like my, my first job as a programmer, Jerome, I worked. Do you not agree, Jerome? Do you not what? agree? That what? stuff is bouncing off of Trump. I I agree that white privilege and the privilege of mm-hmm. white folks is always bounced off of them. They can't get convicted for shooting somebody in the face. That is just the reality that we live in, and I think that okay. it's important that people see that. I think that even this recurring thing about him grabbing women by the crotch, him saying all this outrageous things, him cursing out, calling football players um, son of son of, son of bees, and if I curse, they go, oh well, just because he's doing that, you don't have to do that. But y'all forgiving him and saying that he still might win? There is no way to win in this for us. So for me to tell anybody, well, but listen, for me to tell anybody that at some point white folks are going to turn on him is just naive and silly for me because I know better. I know. That that's not how that works in voting. I know he's going to get smoked bad, but I also see what the Democrats are doing. The Democrats are jumping on Biden. I don't know why. I think it's just because they fight each other so much and they're just so used to this. Biden is eventually going to win. But what's going to happen is that white folks are fighting so much about him, the young and old folks are, that they are going to try to – they're weakening him. They're weakening him so they keep – Say any stories. He's a weak front runner. If he didn't have black people, he wouldn't have nothing. What are you, what are you calling black people? Nothing? You know what I mean? Like we need to see through propaganda. So the propaganda is that we're going to pick some 
um, conservative Democrat like Amy Klobuchar or, or Buddha Judge. Them dudes are slightly racist their damn selves. And I don't mean to be that blunt, but as a year-end goes, we cannot be deceived by people smiling in your faces. So in your face. So if you look at people like Christine Gillibrand, Klobuchar, it, it's the year of the woman. Damn that. They have nothing for anybody of color in this damn country. And if it comes to women, then you hear them all over the news, and they're like, oh, my gosh, we're fighting for the empowerment of women. But anytime something comes up for anybody other than white women, you don't hear jack out of none of them. So the reason that people like um, Elizabeth Warren has a hard time with people and Bernie Sanders and, and honestly, and Joe Biden has this problem to, to a large degree as well. But the reason that we can see do this as black people, and his poll numbers are staying high, is because a default goes like this. As long as that dude is not trying to hurt us, we can support him. Yes, we should, we should want more than that. But I, am, I don't feel sorry for Cory Booker or Kamala Harris. It's not that we can say, oh, just because they're black, we should be supporting them. There is nobody black in that race, and there has not been anybody black in the race. Nobody wants to say that because it sounds mean. But the truth is, there has been nobody black in that race. So the only thing that we can count on uh, as a community is the fact that somebody who's done work with black folks, like on the side of them, we may be able to get some support so that they don't hurt us as much. That's about the best that we can do in this world right now. So I hate to be depressive about that, but the truth is, is that we keep wanting somebody to be something that they cannot possibly be. So the reality is going to sit in at some point that we have all of these, um, you know, white bread, stale candidates out there on a Democratic side who is trying to convince us that they are going to be better for us because they're going to be better for the economy, where they won't even turn on Donald Trump to say that that dude is the really? extreme neo-Nazi that he is. They keep saying he's a businessman and he's doing that because he's, he's narrow-minded and egotistic and arrogant. So, so was Hitler. You know what I mean? Like, you can be narrow-minded, but you don't have to let people put folks in gas chambers. You know what I mean? So the, the policies that Trump is making, yeah, they're selfish, but the Steve Bannons and, and whoever that neo-Nazi guy is who's, who's this communication guy – those dudes are flat-out racist and white supremacists. That's what his administration is. So anybody who sides with him and says that, oh, he can possibly win, they know what the heck they're voting for. Stop trying to change them people and stop acting like they're your friend. So if they have a reasonable concept of, oh, the economy's good and my 401K looks good, write them the heck off. Yes. Yes, that's all I because have. I got into an argument with a guy in a safety meeting over that. My 401k was good. I, okay, so damn the rest of the country. Damn that he's selling us out to Ukraine. Tell damn everything else is going on. As long as my 401k is good. Yeah, that's bull. Right. What are you saying, Vanessa? I ain't going to go ahead. Tell him okay. to go back and take a look at his 401k because it took a dip and it's just trying to build back up. Right, but you have to remember that those are artificial markers. The, the market does not reflect squat, right? So when Obama was there, if Obama says, hey, we're going to invest more in schools, the markets will go down because they're like, he may be taking money from businesses, so we're going to contract what we're spending, which is going to hurt the markets. 
the markets is not a measurement of the economy generally. So unless you have money in the 401K and you're actively trading stocks, that means squat to nobody. That is an artificial marker, right? So if you keep playing in the same game that really rich people play in, Donald Trump cares about his portfolio and market. But you'll see that billionaires are sitting there like, we got a big tax break, so we don't really care how the markets mm-hmm. go. So I made another $100 million, so if I lose $5 million now, I don't care. I so those markets are, are markers. I'm not offended by that. I just, to see that Amazon and FedEx, who are making billions, that's with a B, did not pay any taxes, and the people who are poor or middle class, not even living their best life, are voting for Donald Trump. That baffles me. I am just, and when you see them, like at campsites and RVs and trailer parks and stuff that we go to camping out, and they have these Confederate flags, and my husband be like, okay, there's a Confederate flag to the left. I mean, you look at these people, and it's like, I cannot believe that y'all are backing Donald Trump, and you just I, I don't. I don't blame them, Vanessa. Like I said, you have to think. You have to look at it from what colonizers do. What is in the back of their brains? How, how are they thinking? They're seeing somebody else suffering, and they feel good about it. They're like, as long as you're not getting something, I'm good. Poor people will stay poor as long as you don't get nothing. That happened yep. during the Reagan time. They brought this woman <laughs> up on stage at, at a fifteen hundred a dollar fifteen hundred. Um, $1,500 plate per person. White woman, and the average welfare recipient, she was a white woman, I think she had four or five kids, brought her on stage, and she was on welfare. And she says in front of all of these Republicans that people are stealing our money. She was telling them to cut welfare, and she was on welfare. You know, people are eating well and blah, 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 blah. She didn't care about her own kids eating long as them fools didn't get anything. That is what we're dealing with. I don't know how to change that, and I don't even know how to start a conversation like that, but we need to actually get a grip and understand what the reality of that is. Now, some people get it, and you can have those conversations. But if you can't get past it, I think it was, what's his name, um, the guy who um, shot bowling for Columbine. Michael uh, Moore. Michael Moore. Now, I don't particularly like him, but I can tell you this. There's an article in the paper in the paper now where Michael Moore says something like, you can't trust white males. He said, you can't trust white males. Matter of fact, you can't trust white people to correct course. Michael Moore just said that. Now, just because I didn't say it don't make it more valuable or don't have more value, but some people can see that the way of thinking is Jack. So in the words of the Jack Nicholson character on Batman, this 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 land needs an enema. <laughs> you really need to clean the people out. <laughs> Bring that home. Oh, then you brought it home. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven. All right, folks, that is it. The discussion part of the show is over, but don't go anywhere because after this NPR news update, Chatterbox, some very uh, man, some very good comments have come in, and some of these are 
kind of choking me up a little bit. We're going to try to read those also on a need-to-know basis, the final edition for 2019. All that and more is just around the corner. You're listening to the serious side of the J. Rowe Show. We'll be right back after this. A prisoner swap is underway between Ukraine and Russia-backed separatists in the country's east. A swap taking place today at a checkpoint in the Donetsk region. The region is held by separatists who have declared it the Donetsk People's Republic. The swap was brokered by the Russian and Ukrainian presidents at peace talks in Paris earlier this month. Taiwan's legislature holding a formal debate today over a bill designed to combat Chinese political influence. NPR's Emily Fang reports a push to pass the bill comes right before presidential and parliamentary elections on January 11th. Taiwan's current president, Tsai Ing-wen, urged legislators to pass the anti-infiltration bill, saying the self-ruled island, quote, urgently needed new ways to curb threats from China. If passed, the bill would more strictly regulate political activity backed by Chinese funding. Critics of the bill say it criminalizes normal exchanges between Taiwan and mainland China. China considers Taiwan part of its territory and has repeatedly vowed to annex the island by force if needed. On Thursday, China sailed its newest aircraft carrier through the narrow waterway between it and Taiwan in a show of naval force. President Tsai is up for election January 11th, though polls from earlier in December indicate she is well ahead of her more pro-Beijing opponents. Emily Fang, NPR News, Beijing. College football's national championship is set. Clemson will play LSU in New Orleans on January 13th. Clemson outlasted Ohio State in the Fiesta Bowl semifinal in Arizona and will be playing for its third title in four seasons. The Peach Bowl, quarterback Joe Burrow threw seven touchdowns to lead LSU to a convincing victory over Oklahoma. I'm Giles Snyder, NPR News. It is time for Chatterbox Final Thoughts from the World Famous Chat Room. And from social media, all right, Mr. Elias, man, you have anything you want to read? Not worth reading, not this morning. Nope. Oh, so, okay, there it is. All right, there you go, Mr. Elias. Mr. Elias, he be squashing that, uh, their, their uh, what is it, the Fifth Amendment or whatever? Mm-hmm. Or whatever. Right, the speech. All right, so anyway, mm-hmm. let, me, let me read. I have quite a few, and they're, they're very long. Wow. Uh, I just messed these up. Hold on, I think I did. God dang it, I tried to pull them down. All right, let me read one to Pastor. Pastor Stephen of Jones, listen, Pastor, um, I messed up some of your comment. I tried to pull it over. Oh, boy. Anyway, let me read what I what I did, what I was able to pull over. He said something around, he says, around the water cooler, chit-chat at the family reunion or at the beauty shop vibe. You guys are changing the world one episode at a time. Uh, hold on, maybe I can bring it up this way. Maybe I can bring it up this way. Give me a second, Pastor, because I really want to read your comments. They were really good. Hold on. I messed this up. And I lost all of them. All right. Let me read what he has. Okay. So he says, around the water cooler, chit-chat at the family reunion or at the, at the beauty shop vibe. You guys are changing the world one episode at a time. I know you all may not be where you want to be. Just keep plugging the wave. Uh, Philippians 4 and 6 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Uh, have a blessed 2020, and may God bless you all. It was a beautiful comment from the very beginning. Pastor, I'm sorry I cut it off, but I'll try to read it next week. Marietta Music, fam, have a wonderful 2020, and I will return to the chat under one condition. If Mr. LES protects me from the trolls that frequent the chat room. Mr. LES, she said she'll be back. She got I, her back. All right. I got, you, I got you, baby. Don't even worry about it. I got your back. I got you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, Christopher P. 
I know you don't, because, boy, you'll stop the world from Mariana Music, boy. Look at she, Hey, look, we love her to death. All right, uh, here's one from Christopher P. Mesa, Arizona. I've been listening to this show for the past six years, but this is the first time that I've made a comment during this segment. There have been plenty of co-hosts over the years, Steve, Kathleen, Gio. Wow, Gio, that's a name from the past. And guest spots by others. But out of all of them, Johnny D has been the best addition to the lineup since the addition of Mr. Spree. And it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure listening to this show. Uh, it's been a pleasure listening to the show to evolve into what it is today. I plead to your audience. My plea to your audience is tell a friend about the show. Let's start a movement. It is selfish for us not to share this outstanding show with others. In 2020, we, the listeners, need to make phone calls, contact whomever to get this show in a larger format. You guys are the best. Carol from Canada. It has been a while since I checked in, but I listen every week. Happy holidays to the serious side. Many blessings in the new year. Demetrius from Atlanta, Georgia. Big shout-out to Jay, Vanessa, Johnny D, Mr. Elias, Jerome. You guys are the best. Great, 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 great show. And there's another one that I lost. I'm sorry about that. But anyway, thank you guys so much for your comments. But now you know what time it is. Five, four, three, two, one. The first lady dazzles on election night in a... You tell me what you want me to do. All right, folks, it is time for the last, the last version or edition of On a Need to Know Basis in 2019. So, Mr. Jerome, man, I know you're going to go out with some sparkles on the bang and a twirl and a twist and two snaps up. What do you have, Jerome, for us this morning? All right, now, since we uh, missed talking about this before, I don't know if you yeah. saw um, Eddie Murphy on Saturday Night Live. It was funny. Hilarious. It was hilarious. It was I saw it. It was hilarious. You know, it was um, his highly anticipated uh, return to Saturday Night Live drew the highest ratings the show has seen in over two years. It was the first time he hosted the show since 1984. He actually hosted when he was a cast member in 84. So the episode drew 9.9 million viewers overall live in same day and had a um, 2.5 rating for adults between 18 and 49. So that is the fast official Nielsen's numbers. It may be more than that, but that's what they they ordered. Now, here's what I want to talk about about that episode generally, or about that show. From front to back, I think Eddie Murphy, that's the first time I watched Saturday Night Live all the way through in years. Like, I would watch it in pieces and see parts on the Internet and see clips from it. It was even with Lizzo as a as a music guest. I actually watched the whole the whole show. So um, the funny thing about what Eddie Murphy said, you know, in his monologue was about his hosting. He said something about having black people. Um, you know, he kind of welcomed black people to Saturday Night Live. And I know you haven't been here since I left last time. <laughs> he probably ran a lot of black people to watch Saturday Night Live. Because having Chris Rock, um, Tracy Morgan, um, who else was there? Dave Chappelle and, um, you know, Eddie Murphy and all those guys on stage at the same time was amazing to me. Like, it was really good show of, like, fellowship for those guys. And we never see that right. any place. And yeah, I mean, I forget about Keenan, man. Comedy Central. Tracy it's, Morgan it's, standing up there smoking a cigarette. Don't forget Keenan. 
Don't forget no, no, Keenan. I, I didn't forget Keenan. I, th- I think the, fr- oh, okay. the funniest part of that, that skit to me when they all came out <laughs> was the white guy who came out and he's like, this is great yeah. happening. He's like, mm-mm, no, no. You, you ruined the moment. <laughs> and all he did was stand there. Sorry about that, fellas. <laughs> Sorry about that, fellas. That was <laughs> Go ahead. That was <laughs> yeah. Right. Because yeah, the, 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 the subtleness of like, what the uh, subtleness of what they, what they did. Of, uh, Comedy budget. That's what got me. Oh, they were half <laughs> in Netflix budget? Yeah, Netflix budget. Yeah. Yeah. The, the subtleness of what they were doing, though, is they were saying that when black people are, are together, white folks always have to kind of feel like they're a part of why they're there. And when Keenan did mm. that, all black people knew that. Like, these are cultural differences. We knew what the heck he was saying. You know what I mean? It's like, don't try to ruin the moment by acting like, mm-hmm. you know, this is great, you know. So even <laughs> even the weekend update with him being Gumby, who, you know, he's, if, if you, I think, I'm sorry, I think that during that whole Saturday Night Live episode, the characters that Eddie Murphy did, most kids don't know who they were. They didn't really watch the Little Rascals like that. So the mass Singer part, they knew what it was. But they know who Buckwheat was, for example, or uh, when they were doing Gumby. I mean, Gumby yeah. was out when I was little. So Gumby, as a character, they may not have known who he, what he was doing. But anyway, as a cultural backdrop to what they did on Saturday Night Live, not only was it funny in him talking about regentrification uh, of um, Mr. Robinson's oh, neighborhood. Yeah. They they threw in some thoughts in that in that whole show that made me proud. So I just I wanted to you know I definitely wanted to talk about that and how what kind of impact Eddie Murphy has had over the years. Oh, and and on a side note, I see that Cosby's people um, released a statement about a joke that Eddie Murphy mm-hmm. told in the monologue. Yeah. So if you didn't see it, Eddie Murphy just kind of started off by saying he has 10 kids, 11 if you count Kevin Hart, which he was just joking. <laughs> but, <laughs> but he said that he, who would have thought that from him being a stay-at-home dad and after all these years that Cosby would be in jail and he would be a dad, you know, a stay-at-home really? dad. And, and he just said he would have took that bet. Now, it was a subtle... Mm-hmm. It was a subtle um, joke, but of course, with our sensationalized media, I was listening to NPR on the radio, and they played that joke. So it looked like he was taking a shot at Cosby, but he was just making a point. He respects Cosby. That's why he did the Cosby voice and all of that. That was, it was, it was pivotal, but it was kind of like the Cosby people took it out of context, and they were, you know, wanted to take a shot at him to act like, you know. Um, yeah. They I called him a slave said, to like, Hollywood. Yeah. They called him a slave to Hollywood and all kind of stuff, man. I was like, wow. Yeah, really? the guy who had the pound cake speech, right? Really? Like, really? You're not status quo. <laughs> so anyway, really? I, I didn't want to take the time to shout out Cosby on this because he's wrong, his people are wrong for taking a shot at Eddie. He just made a joke, and the joke was true. Who would have thought that Eddie Murphy would not be in jail and Cosby would be? Back then, yep. right? You'd be like, "This dude's yeah. off the rails." So yeah, he was he, wild. Right. 
<laughs> All right. So, sorry to go on about that, but it, it was a great show. If you don't didn't get a chance to go look it up on demand. And um, like I said, Lizzo's performance was great too. But his his weekend update, you know, with Gumby was him being aggressive, calling shots. They were just risky. The whole thing was risky. So it was actually cool. All right. So in regular news, the gold prices went uh, went on a winning streak in 2019. It sparked optimism that it can top as um, the year high at $1,557 again next year. So, Jay, wow. Les, um, Vanessa, mm. uh, Johnny, keep your gold in the house. <laughs> like, don't, don't take that out. <laughs> I mean, I know y'all stocking the bar at some place, so I just want to tell y'all, it, you don't have to sell. Don't go selling. Right. Yeah, extreme weather um, caused by climate change hit every continent in 2019, displacing millions of people and costing mm. billions of dollars. This is a report by Christian Aid. Um, they found that climate change-related extreme we- weather um, cost more than um, $100 billion, and um, it killed nearly, um, well, 4,500 4, people or displaced thousands over the year. So. We're having problems with that. Now, mass killings reached their highest point since the 1970s, where 210 people were killed and 41 attacks, including 33 mass shootings in the U.S. during 2019. So a database is showing that there were more more mass killings in 2019 than any other year dating back at least till the 70s. Mm. Yep. Wow. Now, Some of these he also took out Mitch McConnell's death. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yep. But you but you know what's not sitting on Mitch McConnell's death? That tax bill. So yeah. the world's wealthiest people got one point two trillion dollars richer in two thousand and nineteen. So Jeff uh, Bezos mm. is still the top of the list, even though he lost nine billion dollars in his divorce. He still is the top person. Wow. So that's according to Bloomberg's Billionaire Index of the world's richest, of the richest 500 people in the world. Jeez. And um, they have a combined wealth of $5.9 trillion. That's an increase of almost a quarter since last year. Thanks, Trump. Mm. Really? Yeah. Now, um, a Make Canadian project, what'd you say? Make, they're making the rich richer. Oh, yeah. And sticking yeah. it to us. Right. And we're still having conversations that. like, Trump can possibly win. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, the only thing I can say to you is that you get what you ask for. So mm-hmm. I, I'm not voting for that fool. So whatever mm-hmm. to the non-believers, you know. So um, the Canadian broadcast company is being um, roasted by its, by Trump supporters over their outrage over a decision to delete a cameo from that show, um, Home Alone 2. Now, the, the Internet, uh, what is it, IMDB, the movie database, has put that um, Trump has been the only um, um, member of the, um, what do you call it, the um, the Actors Guild to be to be impeached. <laughs> so even Reagan wasn't impeached. So he got, they're tagging him all over the place. But he took pride in being in this, you know, the 1990s bash movie um, Home Alone 2 starring Macaulay Culkin. So if you don't know, you know, his family, he mistakenly boards a plane to New York while his family's on Christmas vacation in Florida. While in New York, he gets lost, 
run into the Plaza Hotel, which was owned by Trump at the time. And um, Trump just tells him where the lobby is. Now, the backstory of that is that if you shot in one of Trump's properties, they made you put it in their contract that he would get a cameo in your in your show, in your movie. And most movies, <laughs> mo- most movies just wow. cut him out. You know, I think it was Al Pacino talked about that. Like, no matter which movie you've seen, if it's shot in one of Trump's properties, they made them put a cameo of Trump in it, but it usually cut it out of the movie. They shot it and not put it in the movie. Home Alone actually left it in there, and in Canada, they took it out. They took it out in 2014, by the way. They didn't just do it because he's a dotard now. He was always a jerk, I think, so that might did it. Now, on Friday, Trump retweeted um, uh, and he, he sent some re- retweets and a, tw- a tweet that included the name of an alleged whistleblower who first filed a complaint about the suspicious um, contacts with the Ukraine. So the tweet was deleted a few hours later on Saturday morning. And, but early on Friday night, Trump retweeted a conspiracy theory about Ukraine on the heels of a post um, that linked the name of an, ar- an article that had the whistleblower's name in it. So Trump tweeted the whistleblower and then wow. took it down. He has 68 million yeah. followers or some nonsense like that. And he told who the whistleblower was and then deleted it. So he could say, oh, I didn't do that. <laughs> yeah, now, wow. He got caught out there. Yeah. Now, speak, wow. Speaking of Trump and his friends, you know, the um, New England Patriots owner, Robert Kraft, who was 78, could go to jail for five years as prosecutors try to hit him with a felony charge over payments for sex acts at a Florida massage parlor. So they saying that they, they upped it to wow. a felony charge where he was charged with two misdemeanors um, in this prostitute thing. And he's been out because they were misdemeanors, but I think they just upped it to a felony charge that could get him five years. Now, this should be interesting to see. I don't think you're going to do any time, but... Yeah. You know, they, come uh, on, man. He's going to pay somebody off and he's going to walk away like they usually do. That's what rich hey. folks do. No yeah, he better. He he better uh, get Trump to part. Well, he can't do that. These are state charges. Well, he might get Florida's yeah. governor to do it. He might need to get pardoned yeah. before he go to court. Because th- that mm-hmm. again, a rich seventy-eight-year-old white man will not go to jail. It's just pretty much how that goes. No. No. Only Manafort, <laughs> but that's about it. <laughs> now, um, uh, Colorado daycare owner fifty-eight is charged with child abuse for hiding twenty-six toddlers in her basement behind a false wall when police came to investigating overcrowding. Yes. Some woman, Carla oh Spade. Yeah, her daycare, Play Mountain Place, shut down in November after officers went onto the property and discovered the children, all who were under three, being hidden inside of a fake wall in the basement. <laughs> I know. Wow. I, it, is, it is so crazy. Wow. It is funny, right? Again, he probably voted for Trump, but what? that's a whole other story. Again, I'm just telling you, there's a reason why we have craziness in here. Now, a Minneapolis mother who was 30 was charged with neglect for trapping her son, who was five, in a running washing machine. So, what? Oliver, <laughs> she was charged with neglect because he ended up with bruises when he was allegedly trapped in the washing machine in, at a home in Indianapolis. And um, 
when when they got him out, the police said um, that the little kid said that his mom was not nice. Well, if she's putting you in the washing well, machine and turning it on, right? Yeah. Wow, man, what is yeah. wrong with people, man? Yeah, what is see. Wow. Again, all of the stories that we miss because people are crazy. Now, the, um, Armenia said that that country is saying that they're shocked by baby. There's a baby selling network as the country's top obstetrician uh, and orphanage head is arrested over uh, over a scheme that they sold children to Western nations. They would take kids out oh, of Armenia geez. and sell them to different people in different countries. Mm-hmm. Again, another European nation, right? Just wanted, yeah. Wow, man. Put that that's, out. A, yeah. that's crazy. See, that's some crazy stuff. Yep. Because even as I say stuff like that, people think that this is coming out of left field. It's because I see all of these stories all day. <laughs> I, I kind of feel like um, we need to, somebody needs to say something. Now, it's real. A it's, U.S. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. What'd you say? No, I was saying it's real. People need to understand it. All right, we have time for two more, Jerome. Give us two good ones, brother. Okay, so a U.S. End couple year, was baby. hiding in their closet and dialed 911 after thinking an intruder um, broke into their home, only for deputies to find out the culprit was the robotic vacuum. You know how the vacuum automatically starts moving around? They said it was moving around at 12.30 a.m., so they heard the noises downstairs, and they got hit in their closet and dialed 911. <laughs> it was their vacuum. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I know that feeling. I know that feeling, because I hear mine, my, oh, oh, what? Oh, vacuum, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you might want to turn that off. All right. Yeah. Now, a veterinarian, uh, uh, a veterinarian, um, uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. A vegetarian. I was going to say veterinarian. A vegetarian is claiming that the Impossible Whopper, um, the Impossible, the, the um, meatless Whopper, is making men grow breasts because of the estrogen and soy protein. So Dr. James um, Stango um, in South Dakota is suggesting that that plant-based Impossible Burger has a strong enough estrogen from soy products to grow breasts in men. Wow. So, so stay away from Jay, too much estrogen. Have you all your life? <laughs> What'd you say? Uh, uh, I'm yes. <laughs> Thank oh, you very you much. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Yeah, Thank you very much. Nasty, all right. Stay, stay away from hey, the man, I appreciate you, man. This guy is. <laughs> all right. <laughs> We're not in overtime, so we can't go there, L.E.S. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah, just talk to that guy. It's ridiculous. Thank you, Ms. Elliott. <laughs> All right. So, so now it's time for our final thoughts. And ladies, the first, Miss Vanessa, uh, final thoughts. Last of 2019, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> it's not any pressure. It's just very easy to say how grateful I am to have made it through 2019 and to have made it through with people um, that I know care about me. And I just appreciate your friendship. I appreciate uh, when Les comes to town, never gets a bit to come and see uh, me and Bobby. Um, and I appreciate Jay's children, who are just so gracious and kind to me when they see me, even though sometimes Jay doesn't show up. I am uh, <laughs> glad to have Ben Hulk. <laughs> I am glad to have Ben Hulk. Um, and Jerome, I always love you. So, guys, thank y'all so much for allowing me to be a part of your world, 
And uh, we just need to continue. And when we say our prayers at midnight on New Year's Eve, we just need to uh, ask God to continue to bless this country um, through 2020. So to that, I say it has stopped raining. And, yes, I'm going to church. Happy New Year, guys. And I do love you all. Thank you so much. I loved all your comments. I loved everything you said except for one part. But, okay, thank you so much. I love you. All right, uh, Jerome, final thoughts. Hey, you know what? I I just want to say to everyone, it's been a blast. And, you know, it is one of the things that um, keeps me doing this show is that my appreciation for everyone else on the panel, especially our listeners, Mariana, everybody who, like, kind of rings in with any kind of encouragement um, actually kind of gives me energy to do the show. So I just want to say thank you, and everybody have a good um, a good year. I'm going to bring it in like I usually bring in the New Year's. I'm going to sleep and bring the good bring in the New Year in peace like I All usually is. take out the last year. <laughs> so peace out to everybody, and everybody have a good <laughs> New Year. I uh, appreciate it. Man, I guess the first and last word, Mr. Elias, final thoughts. Hey, look, folks, I'm going I'm to keep it real. Get out and vote. If you don't want the same stuff you got, get out and vote. And to all my colleagues, man, I appreciate each and every one of you. Because without you, this show wouldn't be what it is right now. And I do believe one day we'll be on XM Radio or we'll be on the radio. I, I just got that feeling, man. We're, 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 we're hitting the right, right nerve and the right stride at the right time. You know, the one thing I want to say is, first of all, to my colleagues, you guys are the very best. And all the listeners, whether we agree or disagree, we appreciate you. Because, you know, um, what they call intelligent dialogue is always something that you need to back and forth. From a personal standpoint, it's been a tough, 20, been a tough 2019 for me, both from a professional uh, perspective and from a personal standpoint. So one of the things I have to try to strive to do in 2020 is to be a better man. That means including being a better husband, father, brother, sister, uh, son, just everything. I just need to co- co- concentrate on those things and try to be a better person. And on that note, Mr. L.E.S., it's Sunday and we're talking serious stuff. Time is my friend. For the last time in 2019, it's time for the serious side of the J. Wow. Show. And I echo Jerome's thoughts. When you read some of the comments, I got a little misty because we're reaching people one person at a time. So for Jerome, for Johnny, for Mr. Elias, for Vanessa Maybelli, I'm Jay Rouse saying have a wonderful and safe, uh, happy uh, new year. And we will see you in 2020. And remember, if it's Sunday and we're talking serious stuff, it is the serious side. God bless you. We'll see you next year. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. 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 Network.